Hello and welcome to Weekly Open. I am Brian here with Don and Cred, and we're brought to you by FTX. Go to weeklyopen.com slash FTX, where you can trade today directly from one asset to the other, track your portfolio. Of course, there's zero fees on everything that you're doing. You can DCA back in if you think the bottom's in or whatever you've got going on. You can do it on the FTX app. We are thankful to them for being our partners. Once again, weeklyopen.com slash FTX. Cred, Don, how's it going? Good. You're on the left. Oh, I am on the left. But I didn't know yeah. politics was a part of this, but fine. <laughs> I mean, we're going to go straight into it. <laughs> yeah, pretty good. Um, monthly close upon us, more or less. I'm sure there's, uh, you know, some stuff to talk about setups-wise there. But overall, you know, there's consensus uh, in a week in Austin, Texas. Going to go hang around, lurk around, see what the state of crypto is like when altcoins are, have gone to zero. So that'll be a fun one to explore. But, you know, generally doing well. How are you? I'm doing pretty well too. I might see you there. I'm hoping to sneak in for a couple of days. Don, what about yourself? Yeah. What about I you, mean, Don? Beyond, like beyond, um, like credit is going to consensus, which is the most bearish thing I've ever heard. Um, <laughs> I'm doing, I'm doing quite well. I mean, price-wise and like positioning-wise, I feel like uh, I kind of screwed up a little bit. But then again, like that's. Uh, that's just trading. Life-wise, everything is good. Good. So we uh, did get our uh, one more clo weekly close red. So I don't remember the count. Do you have that nine there? Nine. So nine weekly red candles in a row. And then naturally, we're getting upside on a day where U.S. markets are closed, uh, but futures are open. Yep. Does that make you all less trusting of upside here? Kind of. I, I mean, for me, this is still like the thing is, we're basically going to have the monthly close tomorrow, right? So this is all, in my opinion, monthly close shenanigans, people trying to push it up beyond support. This was like basically the play that I wanted to make. I just thought it would happen earlier, you know, where mm -hmm. you just kind of try to push up price above monthly support going into the monthly is something that happens very, very often. You can kind of go back and look at that. Uh, prices through ice happens very very regularly uh just to print a nice candle makes makes bulls more more aggressive i don't know why it works but it does work it's been working for years now um but we still only have one day right and uh, given that this is like on a close like on a closed market while the s&p's out resistance does make me like less trusting yeah i think it makes a lot of sense to kind of be a little bit more cautious the closer we get to the actual market's opening. Good. what do you think? Yeah, I think that's reasonable. Um, it, it's obviously exciting because th the candles are green, at least on some time frame, which is nice. Um, I'm not sure whether... I, I saw, for example, Chimp argue that this is like a market structure break and like Sue retweeted it and so on. That may be the case depending on what time frame you use. But the fact that we're still like here basically you know being generous with how i've drawn that box like you know it's poking above i think the the range that don had on an intraday basis um or at least it's right into resistance there which is mm -hmm. interesting but for me really in terms of trading signals that matter uh they're going to come from from the monthly time frame uh, and it looks like the monthly time frame is going to close as a breakdown right like if we take the lowest close as our kind of support extreme or range low whatever this, unless there's some miraculous rescue in the next one day and 10 hours, uh, this is going to count as a monthly time frame breakdown. Uh, and it makes sense to be defensive uh, until that changes. And as I've said multiple times, we had a mirror, you know, if you want to be bullish about a bearish close, <laughs> make of that what you will. Uh, we had a very, we had a mirror example of that at resistance. We had a breakout, which should have sent price higher, ultimately didn't do shit, traded back within the range, and it was a one way street. So if you want to be bullish a close that looks like shit, uh, you would reasonably expect a similar type of development where just like the break here didn't lead to anything, you want the downside break not to lead to anything either. Eventually trade back in the range and then it's a hopefully a similar type of one-way street, at least into this, you know, where, where a lot of the reversion targets lie in the mid-40s. But, you know, if, if, it's a, if it's a pure range trade, you're looking for the other side as your 
ultimate target. So that crappy monthly close becomes less crappy if in the next month or two, um, we don't disappear. And actually, just like here, you have a few weeks, a few awkward months, but ultimately the market didn't go anywhere. You want to see 28, you know, 27s, around 30 hold, uh, if this is going to be like a, a bottom, you know? Yeah, in terms of um, what's bullish, uh, I did have, I guess, one look. And sorry, I am remote, so all my screen sharing stuff is weird. Um, but I, the only thing I can really point at is that we broke a 20-day trend that is, to be fair, a very uh, a, a, a very difficult. <laughs> uh trade to make because it, it can be very choppy but it, it is kind of your first sign of trend reversal without getting through that box or through the levels like you mentioned there cred i'm being told i have robot voice i'm not sure if it's actual robot voice or just not great quality people mic. are just used to your buttery up only mic audio quality yeah. sound sorry i brought four microphones with me and two different ways to interface with the computer and none of them worked um three if you count the one i left at home which was a brand new option that uh didn't work even before i left so nevertheless, it's <laughs> just the way the, it goes for me. Yeah, people are um, complaining. Uh, okay. It's not bad. It's just well, not you bad. know, the prices are down, but now there's one up day and they finally had capitulated. So they have reason to be upset. Um, <laughs> and I, I, yeah. mean, <laughs> I think um, I, I feel like this price action is just trying to punish, you know, um it, still you could point back to summer 2021 where on the left side of the screen where we broke up for a couple of days and then went and had another 20 30 days of pain before the actual reversal occurred i feel like the that's so likely with any of this like very little is going to require be required for people to you know doubt their bullish conviction uh sell into this strength because they were in a low time frame trade and it starts to turn so they give it a boost in the reverse direction um we could certainly get a deep mean reversion but i i don't think it's one that you just like hang your hat on forever you know yeah i agree i mean generally we're still in the same situation the funny thing is right and i mean if you just look at the weekly right we're in the same situation that we were last week we haven't really moved at all uh, we're still trading <laughs> below the weekly range, but sentiment is very, very different now than it was just a couple of days ago, right? Like this is why, and I mean, just timing it wrong on my part is just uh, basically, I mean, like a wrong trade as well. But this is why, like, this is what I was looking at. Like the moment you put in a green candle, people reverse course. Um, and um, I think that actually has, like, whenever this kind of stuff happens, people still doubt it at first. And then... The higher it goes, the the more certain they become that they miss the bottom, and the more likely they are to fall more in. And then at that point, it oftentimes times reverses, right? So if you look at the weekly, Kret just uh, drew in the, the the range low that I that I was talking about. It could easily, I think, run towards thirty four k here and still be bearish, right? We could easily retest that. It'd be still a bearish range retest. But the market would feel a lot different, right? People would actually be back, back bullish again. Um, but that's just how bear markets trade, right? They give you hope and then they they rug pull it. Um, so I could see that happen. I don't think it's going to happen before the monthly close. So I don't mind having closed my trade um, just based on the fact that I always just gave it a little bit of time. And when that kind of time, like there's only so much time that you can give a trade if you have like a time limit. And mine was kind of reached, so I closed it. And uh, I mean, we did nuke immediately after, but <laughs> uh, recovered that. Uh, but yeah, I, I think in general, we're in the exact same position that we were last week. Nothing's changed. Uh, it just feels different because we actually have had three days in a row that are green instead of just either chop or just straight up nine weeks of red candles. We went from super cycle to like, can we get a green week, please? Even if it's <laughs> the resistance, just give us some reprieve, you know? It's quite funny. Yeah. Uh, I agree with you on the weekly time frame stuff. I still think like the best, like the largest move will likely be signaled by the monthly time frame, just because it's been the best time frame throughout this consolidation. Um, yeah, but yeah, on a weekly basis, the levels obviously align. As I've said before, like my view hasn't changed, unsurprisingly. Uh, I want to see some evidence that the Rangers are going to do something other than break down and trade lower. 
And the first area where that can take place is this kind of, you know, 32, 33K range low, where if you close above that on a weekly basis, like the monthly time frame starts to look more acceptable. Um, and, you know, you, maybe there's some sort of rotation to be had there on the daily or weekly time frame. My issue would be, presumably, and, and you know, the reason why I'm expressing some caution, that if, if this monthly closes like this, and then the market rallies into this monthly and weekly area, that's technically a bearish retest at that point of high time frame structure. Um, so if you're going to be long into that, it has to be like a very uh, kind of hit and run type of position because your expectation until proven otherwise has to be that it's a monthly retest of resistance that's more than likely going to close below it unless you then get confirmation on the monthly time frame, whatever else. Like if the monthly closes like this and it starts to rally like into this cluster, into this consolidation, that's, you know, that's a bearish retest. And I don't like being long into those unless it's really obvious that, that something else is going on. Um, in the interim, I was talking to Don about this um, daily range I've got when the market was here yesterday and i said this kind of looks like a stealth bottom and the reason i say that is you take the lowest close in the range as your support and this or even though and the reason i say it just looks like a stealth bottom is because it kind of closed below the level and then you have this like sort of weekendy type of pump whatever you want to you know have whatever label you want to put on it it's still then closed above the range so technically speaking it's a failed breakdown on the daily time frame now yeah it's got all the caveats of weekends and memorial day and whatnot but like structurally that was at least something yesterday uh, and now it's approaching if the same range is going to stay intact my resistance at least is like a is a tiny bit higher um like if you want to nibble at this and day trade this and whatever else i think that's reasonable um i just think that the monthly range breakdown signal is worth taking seriously um because it's such a good time frame. And, and for me, at least in terms of like trades with decent holding periods and decent enough conviction, um, the long trade becomes available either much lower if it pukes and the breakdown sticks, or if there's clear evidence that the breakdown isn't sticking. And for me, late boomer that I am, that evidence will have almost certainly have to be on the monthly time frame. Because anything else, I'll be kind of buying resistance, hoping it's not resistance. One I'd be comfortable even waiting. Yeah, I mean, look, I'd even be comfortable waiting for like a monthly close higher, closer to 40, if I then know that this wasn't accepted and I can reasonably target the highs, if not the range high. Like, I'm fine waiting a couple of months for that, uh, if uh, if that's what it takes. No, but what are the numbers on the right side? I can't read them on my... Oh, sorry. So that's 35K, 37K. It's just the candle okay. of last summer uh, on the monthly time frame, and I've just taken the open and close of that structure. Uh, so on the Coinbase chart, you know, 35K, yeah, 37K is the monthly range mm -hmm. low. And if we close below that, I'm going to have to assume that's resistance. And if next month closes above it, that's actually a good swing long setup where you know, you've got something other than the market broke down, but I'm kind of buying it into resistance anyway. Uh, but there is yeah. a trade there and there is that kind of month end reversion trade or even early month um, pump, bearish retest pump, whatever you want to call it. But like if I want conviction and I want the higher timeframes to align, the earliest they can do that is actually the next monthly close. And that might be late, might be not. I'm comfortable waiting and seeing. You mm -hmm. know. I mean, for me in general, if I look at the weekly time frame, right? You can what what I've been doing basically, I've been trading the, the monthly time frame or like trying to anticipate how it's going to move. And that's been like, I mean, just break-even trade basically. Um, so what I can do now is either wait until I have confirmation, like you said. Or, and I mean, I'm screen sharing right now, so you can just toggle over just kind of to show what I mean. Um, or I just wait for the weekly to the exact same thing. And Kret mentioned this very briefly. Um, it's one of the easiest setups to play in a range. Uh, it, it always just kind of sounds unrealistic, but it almost always plays out, which is just you get a range breakout that, that doesn't materialize either direction, and then you target the other side of the range right so in this case and i'm i mean i can say this because i legitimately this was the reason why i sold like near 60k uh, i looked at this range breakout and i was bullish during like this is the top right and i was bullish there i was like it doesn't really make much sense for me to sell anything um because we just broke the range to the upside and then the moment we faded below it i was like okay this is fucked. like this should not have happened if there was any strength i'm gonna be cautious until we take out the high again right and now we can do the same thing. Um, like you can either wait for the monthly time frame, obviously give it some more time, or you can give like do just the exact same thing, which is like you wait for this to deviate back into the range, and then you have an invalidation down here, and you have a target up here, 
which seems unrealistic now, right? But I don't think it's too unrealistic um, if we can manage to get back in the range just based on the technicals, right? So what you then do is you just, you have your invalidation, you have your target, your target is multiples away from your invalidation and you can just trade it relatively easily and you don't have to necessarily wait for the monthly um, to kind of support that thesis. I think that's like just the weekly has been good enough to kind of take, like stick your neck out. And um, if that plays out, it's a pretty nice trade. It's just like a very, very long range, basically. But um, until that happens, I like the only way for me to play this because given like we're just a few percent away from weekly resistance, right? There's like three to four percent away. There's nothing for me to capture here on a longer time frame basis other than this like reverse play on the monthly that um, I closed given we have one day. Uh, to to kind of close it, and it's unrealistic to hope for a close above thirty seven k, which I was so impatient. Don should just waited, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean that sometimes works, sometimes doesn't, right? And it feels more like a gamble than anything. And whenever it feels like starts feeling like a gamble, I I just start closing out stuff. Uh, but that could just be me coping. Um, but yeah, there's there's finally like a really really good uh, setup opportunity there. It just depends on whether that actually sets up or not. Because if we, well, what you would have to realistically expect, right? Just from given how everything, like all the charts look, uh, you would have to expect this to happen, right? As like a sane person, you would have to expect this. Given market structure, given we're consolidating below the range, given everything that's happened in the last few weeks, you would have to expect that this is just a temporary relief setup into lower. Um, but obviously, if that is proven wrong, all the bears are offside. And I think in general, in crypto, when you get a rally that a bunch of people are offsides on, you can reach high prices relatively fast because people just stop selling and then there's nothing to buy. And uh, a bunch of people on the sidelines that originally believed, okay, crypto is going to be the big thing uh, and always will believe that the moment price goes up, right? It's a funny thing in crypto, like prices go down, people like this is a Ponzi, prices go up, people like this is the future. <laughs> and, and it's like, that makes these FOMO rallies so strong because people like have this intrinsic kind of fear of missing the future of money basically. Um, but they're also, when they're bearish, they're like, fucking hell, uh, there's so much we don't know yet. And like that kind of, um, double thing where you have like on the one side they're extremely bullish and the other side they're like extremely bearish when it goes down just makes for really nice formal rallies so I think like if we get back above 34k on the weekly time frame it's going to be a big play to be made even if you're like conservative I think at that point you have to target like 46k uh, of that region so yeah that's where a lot of the reversion stuff lies I'm just wondering if it sounds like extreme cope it's like the monthly is breaking down the weekly's breaking down. But if it yeah. doesn't break down, that's <laughs> when it fucking send it. You know, it's like, um, at face value, stuff looks like it's breaking down. Uh, and that's yes. why I agree with Don. It's worth waiting those three, four, five, six, seven percent to get to finally, after nine weeks or whatever it is, get some good evidence that maybe it's not going to be the same. Uh, and then there's a setup to be had, even if on the weekly, monthly, whatever. But I think those extra few percentage points really shift the probabilities and they're worth waiting for, in my opinion. Yeah, I think everything you just described, you could have done the exact same description and did in mid 2021. And I think actually your whole point about like people don't want to miss it. I think that's what took Bitcoin to new highs rather than just having a lower high consolidation there. Um, and it, the we're basically saying, can the same thing happen again? Can you get so many people in cash, so many people off sides yet still willing to buy to push it back to the very top of that range? Um, or even to new highs. The big difference is that the state of the rest of the world is much different now than it was a year ago. But otherwise, it's almost the exact same setup, isn't it? Mm -hmm. And I mean, yeah, even, even, even that time. on the weekly time frame worked, right? Like there was yeah. a... Yeah. Um, just as a quick example, I'll, I'll screen share this very quickly. And I was talking to Don about this at the time. Um, I think I might have tweeted it as well. I was still using this level as my range low. 
Uh, and this is this was like a premiere type of trap setup. I was talking to you about it as Ledger at the time because I was mm -hmm. just traveling and I'm like, this is a good weekly signal. And what makes it better is that I'm not there to take it, you know? Uh, <laughs> but this is like the bottom of the range on a closing basis. You have a bunch of support, a close below, and then a subsequent close above and a very nice kind of engulfing candle in the process. Uh, and, you know, that's about as clear range breakdown or failed range breakdown, I should say, uh, that you get. And yeah, you might feel bad if you weren't like buying at the low and you know it's down at 29 and closed at 35 you feel like you're late but as don says you get a you usually get a nice kind of high time frame spring when that happens so i think you know applying similar logic like weekly close back above 32 or thereabouts i'd expect it to fill in a lot of these consecutive weeks and trade closer towards where some of the candle bodies are um but that's that, that's worth waiting for in my opinion because this right here is again yeah I mean, as i said intraday it may be pumpable there's certainly enough volatility to make some decisions but uh higher time frame at least a fucking green weekly please right like <laughs> we're not asking for a lot from this market in order to ascertain some evidence of reversion strength move back into the range whatever and people who've been trying to front run that for weeks now uh, haven't had like the best time so i'm comfortable getting a worse entry than them if it means a higher probability entry than them you know yeah i'm going to show a chat from uh connor here said uh everyone should be listening to GCR more importantly short is currently the consensus trade and I think this is what Don was getting to earlier is what does it actually take for short to no longer be the consensus trade and the answer is not much um so what we're trying to say here is like unless you snipe that bottom then you what do you have left in this move before short is no longer the consensus trade and you start getting people uh potentially offsides again don you're doing squiggles right now and I always enjoy those yeah. um and I, this is the type of outcome that could occur right this is this is if you took 2021 and like full mirrored it yeah but so it's the if you mirrored this yeah yeah the same concept where it's like okay that one little up move if that happens now if that's enough to get the short consensus trade to no longer be the case and now it's like people are looking for bullish uh mean reversion you crush their souls with the next move down, right? Like, because they get chopped up once again. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I don't think you can discount that. I think this is a, a market that loves to punish. So it's something that I think you have to be careful of. Yeah. But it's actually, worth, it's it worth watching. It's very sentiment. similar. Yeah, it yeah. feels very, very similar. Uh, sentiment got really, really bearish in here. Uh, then it flipped on the, on the breakout. I still remember all of this. And then when it broke down here, it was just like, okay, we're going back to 14K. Uh, this time around, we basically had that, okay, we're going to 14K sentiment the entire consolidation. Um, so it's been much, much bearish, uh, much, much more bearish than we were back here. Um, very similar to this down move, actually, um, which, I mean, if we get that again, sentiment is going to be hilariously bearish. So um, I'm not entirely sure if we're going to just mirror this again or not, but it's, it's interesting. It feels very similar. It looks pretty similar. Um, and uh, in general, like something that I've noticed in 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 the recent like in the recent years is that most of the time when you like start going sideways, like for longer periods of time, at after like crashes, like big big time uh, time frame kind of sideways movements, you go up pretty pretty heftily after. It's the same thing here. Same thing here. Uh, there's a good chance that the same thing is going to play out here if it doesn't just completely collapse, which I mean is obviously uh, possible. But you look at these kind of down moves, right? And they're all very, very quick. Like in in the recent times, what we've had is you have like a down move, you have like a little bit of a bounce maybe, but then like you get just straight down, and then you go sideways and reverse back up. And it's very, very rare that you get like a crash into sideways, like a long, long time of sideways and then just straight up crash again like for some reason recently it's all been just like straight up 50 percent crashes and then um it's been grinding and up again so like i i don't want to be too bearish here i don't want to be too bullish just given the high time frames like i said they all look like shit like the weekly looks like shit the monthly looks like shit there's no talking like there's no way around this so if you're like trading the high time frames, there's no reason to be bullish. Um, but also like we're going um, sideways after 50% move to the downside. 
So like if you're starting to short, just kind of feels like very, very late. Like there was so much time that you could have shorted this. Um, I don't really understand why you'd want to be doing it down here. We're a panel of people neither short nor long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I'm coping about it. <laughs> yeah, well, because you almost got the like the Pico um, are close to the Pico bottom, rather. Um, yeah, yeah. I, uh, yeah, I would actually feel more more bullish for mean reversion if the market was freaking open, like more broadly. Mm -hmm. uh, that's what gives me a significant amount of disbelief. Um, I do want to. I want to talk about if this outcome occurs so that this is a another range bottom and the Don kind of 30K to 60K crab walk happens for two years, as previously uh, discussed. Is it even possible for alts to play along? Because in my mind, the only way that Bitcoin can have that strength is if flows go from altcoins on a relative basis to Bitcoin, because that's where a lot of the buying comes from. I think what, what we can see in all coins, and this is like funny to witness, but like the the emergence of like GCR and like the shorting your coins to zero thing um, has gotten a lot of people like bullish on the idea of shorting all coins, I guess, which I think makes like you have what happens when, when that happens, right? When a bunch of people start shorting all coins, is you have massive down, down moves, then it goes sideways and people are like, holy shit. This was like, I could have made so much money on the down move. And then they start shorting every single bounce that they get. And then this thing squeezes 20, 50, 100, 200%. And then just goes straight, straight back down, right? So I think you can have, you can have 50%, 100% rallies on select altcoins where it's just short squeeze, right? Just short squeezes all over. So anything that's heavily shorted, I think is a really, really bad play on the short side on the in the altcoin land. But in general, I think you're right that like most, like if we get a bullish Bitcoin movement, uh, all coins are probably not going to go along as strongly um, as we've been used to in like the last year or two. Um, just makes sense to me because like the crypto interest in the world isn't like retail interest in crypto isn't high. It's not necessarily like there's a lot of money to be like new money flowing into the old coins. Um, but I think a bunch of people are shorting altcoins now, which is going to end poorly probably um, for a bunch of them, not all of them. And you see these kind of shorts, uh, short squeezes on just select few, right? You see these like 25, 50, 100% rallies that immediately pull the retrace on just a few. Um, so like it's basically you're shorting something and then there's a good chance that you just get completely blown up. But there's also like if if you luck out and you're not one of the ones that gets squeezed, there's a good chance that the altcoin goes down 50% against Bitcoin. Um, you can screen share, by the way, my thing to that effect, Ledger, where I've got AVAX USDT on Binance. Uh, and you can see where the in open interest kind of really started to climb relative to price, right? Yeah. Like this whole move up where open interest more than basically doubled from <laughs> the lows essentially you know um so uh, as far as timing and those trades and because you know, the basic mechanism is something goes down a lot people sell it futures get really aggressive while the market kind of chills out staying short becomes expensive and you kind of just start bleeding out and your liquidation moves closer as you're making exorbitant funding payments, if it's the consensus trade, to hold a position that isn't moving anywhere or printing PL. Liquidation moves closer and then it just takes a bit of a pop, a bit of a bounce anywhere, a bit of a push. Uh, and a lot of that late open interest uh, ends up acting as fuel for that type of reversionary trade. So you... Even if you're right on that short, um, it might like <laughs> double or something, you know, go up like 20, 30, 40, 50% before ultimately going down to your target. So it's very much a timing thing, as Don mentioned. And it, there, is, there, there, there is market structure evidence to suggest that there, there's some late aggressive positioning in, in these so coins. Can you describe what this contract, this information actually is? It's aggregated stable aggregated, coin margin. Yeah, stable coin margin contracts. Like the, I think the Binance uh, OI looks the same for this specific contract. Um, but yeah, a ton of open interest coming in as price is moving down. Yeah, technically there's one long for every short, etc. Um, but you know, I, I'm sure if we overlaid funding on top of this, um, it, it'd be rather obvious which side is being more aggressive. 
uh, and just in general, stuff like this tends to be pretty, um, you know, these really steep builds up an open interest where price diverges or doesn't move to the same effect uh, tends to be a bit reversionary. So you'd expect some of those shorts to close if they're wrong or slash it's expensive to be short slash if price doesn't go down. And then the chart would look like this bit going up the price, obviously, as the uh, shorts are closing, which becomes which become orders to buy, obviously. Um, and so mechanistically, there is some sort of setup for uh, a bit of upside in alts should the market play ball. Uh, that was just a compliment, Don's. Um, compliment with an E, not compliment. I'll never compliment him. <laughs> uh, just adding some data. Yeah. Uh, no, that's super interesting. And we're now big faces. Um, so, well, that does give me an interesting, interesting thought process. And I, I don't know, I haven't really realized that people have been super short alts. I felt like there was more cope going on. Um, but I mean, maybe... Funding for a lot of them has been really jacked up. Like, yeah, it's getting really high. It's getting pretty bad, and like, especially the less liquid like Binance pairs and stuff. They've been they've been crackhead short squeezes on them kind of all weekend <laughs> uh, because people are paying exorbitant amounts for a market that. Uh, you know, uh, yeah. after 50, 60, 70 percent moves down, they were like, oh, maybe the trend is down. I'll show everything uh, and pay a lot of money for the for the privilege. So that, that never ends well. It's funny because that happens every single cycle. I still yeah, remember in 2018 so. where it's like all of these altcoins are going to zero. And then people like insulted me for like a year until they like suddenly all of a sudden, like it just took like an 80 to 90 percent drop to be like, oh, yeah, shit, this guy's right. Let me short. And I was like, oh, fucking hell. And then it short squeezes, right? And that's the thing. Like these short squeezes, they don't have to mean that the trend reverses, but you're still going to get wrecked if you're shorting, right? Like even if price goes lower after, um, like in general, after you've sold or like after you started shorting, if it goes up 100% during the time you're shorting, you're most likely liquidated, right? So you're not going to be happy um, about your shorts in general. And I feel like that's what people <laughs> don't, don't understand. They're going like, to be very yeah. happy if you've been liquidated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Market it's advice like, from Don. Yeah, I mean, it's just like, what are you doing, right? Like if you're starting to short something that's down 90%, it's, it's like you're gambling most of the time, right? Which is fine if you're like doing it with smaller balances. But what most people do, most um, like newer participants anyway, they're like, okay, I lost 80% on this. Let me just like, crack up the leverage short this so that i like when this goes to near zero and break even again and it's like no this is just not how it works um so yeah all right well, yeah, i've got me interested now the short interest makes me feel like maybe the squeeze is more real than previously expected let's bait him in don we've almost got yeah it. <laughs> yeah i mean this I is not awkward this is not for bitcoin right yeah, and so I had I showed weekly Bitcoin on there. The 200 week moving average is still around 22k. Um, the 20 week, which in my mind needs Bitcoin needs to be above the 20 week to be remotely bullish, is not until like 38k in a macro sense. Um, and meanwhile, the dollar or the Dixie rather is in its beginning its third potential down week. One of the things I find interesting is. If you had showed me this this chart in isolation on the Dixie, I would have thought Bitcoin was actually much higher um, based on the size of this breakdown in the Dixie. And we kept talking about this whole thing being a dollar move, so it doesn't make it makes me um, confused as to as to whether now we have a Bitcoin problem or is the market just not believing um, here in terms of what's going on with the dollar. Especially when, if I don't know if y'all paid attention to legacy markets, the NASDAQ like super engulfed the previous two weeks of downside um, and ended like just turbo green up only style candle. And Bitcoin wasn't as strong. So are, I, I just don't know, like, are we lagging or is this is this basically short closings in, in mm -hmm. traditional markets? Um, I'm How just still... Pretty torn. The interesting part is that what basically happened was that we that we decoupled, right? While the yeah. market was still open. Yeah. Um, that was pretty obvious to see where it's like the Bitcoin basically started dumping while the S P went up, right? And then the S P closed. And all that happened over the weekend, like this entire rally basically, 
was just taking us back to like some sort of coupling again, which is really interesting, right? Because you basically capitulated a bunch of people because you broke um, the correlation and then you recoupled the entire thing again over the weekend, making people bullish, basically saying, okay, yeah, Bitcoin went up even though the markets were closed. I think it's probably just like if you kind of add both together, it's just we're probably still correlated uh, at the end of the day. And I don't <laughs> think there's going to be like uh, a major decoupling um, to the upside or to the downside, but I could be wrong on that front. And like on the S&P or NASDAQ front, the, both charts look relatively similar. We just ran into resistance, right? Um, like it's a bounce from support. And like, this is what annoys me the most, right? Where I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I was bullish at the bottom of the S&P <laughs> because I looked at this chart and was like, okay, everything's going to go up, right? And then I bought Bitcoin and Bitcoin just didn't play ball. And then I closed before it caught back up again, which is just uh, just sad, but is what it is. But yeah, I would be like, I, I don't really see a reason to be aggressive here, right? Because what we're basically, what we basically done was like catch up uh, on the S&P a little bit. Uh, during the weekend and it's not even that we're like super super strong on the bitcoin front given that the s p like this is like the 18th 19th of may right high and we're trading above that and then you look at bitcoin and that is basically exactly in that range right like it's not trading above it so it's like i wouldn't say okay we're like stronger um at all it's basically just the same uh, if not a little bit weaker i was gonna say the recent evidence isn't good i.e. strong week in indices, weak week <laughs> in crypto. Uh, so, so, you know, if you're trading that one-to-one, -one, maybe you're not like wrong or wrecked, but you're not having like a, a good time. So, I mean, depends on where you fall in that discussion. You could make a very reasonable case that that's indicative of crypto-specific weakness or crypto flows in general being bearish. The fact that you've been tracking all the downside, tick for tick, and like none of the upside, uh, that's, you know, as far as recency goes, that's not great. Um, but I can see in general the correlation trade and coupling, decoupling, which side are you tracking? That, that's kind of becoming quite noisy, in my opinion, um, which is why, again, maybe lazily, maybe wisely, I'd like to think the latter. I'm kind of referring, deferring rather to the higher time frame stuff because there's been a lot less signal and a lot more noise in the correlation and expecting like a big shift, especially at like an upside shift. Uh, I don't think that's supported by the evidence. If anything, if you came to me and you said, you know, uh, I think that the downside decoupling is more likely, uh, as in, you know, we dump harder than stocks and don't pump as hard, the recent evidence supports that a lot more. Um, so I guess we'd need like this week or next week or something to restore that relationship. But what we had was we go down with the S&P and we go up with the S&P and we moved from that to we go down with the, well, we go down with risk, but we don't go up with risk. And that's a shift that's come in kind of after the lunar debacle and, after, you know, in the last week or two. And uh, the trend isn't in the right direction as far as that. I, I do think the Terra Luna impact is a big part of that, um, where structurally, like, some people just got taken out, right? Um, and and they could be having redemptions. Like if they're writing letters to LPs, uh, or even if it's just their own money, like they're trying to consider kind of the state of <laughs> the state of things for their funds. And like there could be a lot of a lot of uh, reverberation from an event like what happened with Terra Luna, and we may still be kind of over minimizing. The impact of that on large money not necessarily institutional because i don't think many pure institutions were in terra luna but a lot of crypto money and there's a lot of crypto money <laughs> you know a lot of big crypto money that was in that and and we i don't know that we should downplay the relative trade there that you just mentioned credit doesn't it wouldn't surprise me for us to underperform legacy bounces um not that that's what i'm rooting for i just i still i i just I, I, I still think that we could range for months here. Like there, I don't personally think that the push to like the range high at 60 K is very likely at all. Um, I do think you could get a violent short squeeze like into the 40 Ks, but I think in all likelihood we spend a year or more, um, probably all of 2022 without any real um, clear movement 
in the upwards direction. Am I just coping? I mean, there's good reason why you think that, I think. And I mean, like I said, and this is the thing that Fred mentioned earlier as well. Like, if you're saying, okay, yeah, we're going to have like this and that upside, if this, if we finally manage to go above resistance, it's like major cope. Like if you're on the bullish side of things, it, like, and I, I, I count myself in that as well. But it's like you should be violently bearish here, just based on the charts. Be like fucking out of short everything every time it goes to resistance, and then change your view if it actually proves you that it has strength. Not the other, not not the other way around, right? And then I'm always arguing the other way around just because I want it to be bullish. But at the end of the day, like, there's good reason I think why you're like more on the cautious side of things just based on the fact we're trading below trading ranges we're trading below uh, monthly weekly support so it makes sense to just kind of be like okay this could do whatever um, but it's probably going to be bearish or neutral um and then once you like once you see strength you can flip or whatever but i, I don't think it's unreasonable what you're but, saying but it only works in the downside right like if you think about in an uptrend no one says um oh well i'll be bearish if it falls below support because you just you just say you're bullish, right? And then if it falls below support, you're like, oh, well, actually, this looks like a piece of shit. But because everyone's got like spot holdings, they're net long with their followers and that long, whatever. When the market's down, the way you phrase the same ideas changes completely, right? So you don't say like, this is a downtrend, this is bearish. You're like, oh, well, if you, you focus on the other side of the coin, it's like, if it reclaims, if it shows strength, it's going to do X, Y, Z. So you always engage the counterfactual when the trend is down. But when the trend is up, all your phrasing is like, oh, yeah, well, you know, it looks good. Send it. It's, it's, it's holding all levels. You don't talk, you know, every time you're in an uptrend and you do a live stream, you don't say, well, you know what? If it loses the support, watch out. You just focus on the fact <laughs> that it's above support, right? So if you were consistent, you would focus on the fact that it's below support, at resistance level when the trend is down. But we've got these like monkey brains where green button, always good, only good. So when the trend is up, we just focus on that. When the trend is down, you look at every situation in which the trend could be up. I mean, it makes sense from like a risk reward, whatever type of point of view. Uh, but just it's it's careful to you have to be careful when browsing Twitter and, and people use very uh, obfuscatory wording to express what should be rather simple ideas. Like when you read a tweet saying if it reclaims X, it's bullish. That may sound like a bullish tweet, but it's technically bearish. Right, because what that tweet means is it's below the level which they think will be constructive for the chart, and therefore you have to be bearish because they're mm -hmm. literally saying in that tweet, "My bullish conditions haven't been met." So that's neutral at best and probably bearish if anything, right? Yeah, I mean um, they're basically giving you an invalidation for a short. Yeah, term, yeah, exactly. Right? exactly. <laughs> yeah, because it's, this, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, it's probably dangerous to quote anything that Suzu says, but considering the psyops potential. Um, but do y'all remember back when he talked about how he's learned that markets are really just um, f a lot of fat people trying to get through a small door, uh, the analogy that he gave there? Oh, I like that analogy a lot, yeah. Yeah, and, and therefore market conditions require the market to exist in a way to for all those fat people trying to engineer how they can get through the small door. So if you have a lot of big money that does not have like an overly bullish midterm outlook, then what do you try to do in order to enable yourself to get out the door? And one of those is to use less money to try to prop to the mid range and distribute and suck, you know, suck cash back in so that you can have enough room to then get out the door in a more healthy manner. Can we just versus... get doors? <laughs> <laughs> I guess they could get a little bigger over time. I don't know. But you see what I mean? Like, it, I feel like it would be beneficial for big money trying to uh, reduce their risk overall to f float the market on relatively low volume, a little bit higher to give a better distribution location. Mm -hmm. The, the question that I have in that in that kind of scenario is who do you sell it to at like 40, 45k? Because like me, you, I'll be buying yeah. confirmation. <laughs> <laughs> because I what I like what I think is that no new retailers gonna come in at 44, 45k. I could see like new people come in at like 60k, 70k. Uh it's like I think if you push it to 44, 45, 50k. The only people that you can actually sell to is other rich people um, that you might be able to make FOMO if you want to be selling it to anyone. Um, 
but that's always like that argument is just like one doesn't like doesn't really help anyone because it's just really really hard to judge how sentiment is gonna be but i feel like given the global situation that we're in and everything it's like really really hard to reignite retail formal right i think retail's pretty much been wrecked in crypto um again just like they did in 2018 a bunch of people bought garbage nfts and they're starting to get completely wrecked now i mean nfts took a little bit longer but i mean if you go through the nft landscape it's just like complete mayhem which i mean i kind of saw coming i was like i think um no one's really gonna be trading nfts during like when when you have war and everything going on took a while to play out but i think it's playing out now and then you also have like the old coins i mean shiba doge both of them i think are down like 80 percent or something like retail is completely wrecked again and usually when that happens it takes a couple of years right for them to kind of get back in and um so I don't think you're going to be able to sell to retail. If anything, like this is a, a PVP market where you can sell to it. Like if you're a rich person that wants to sell and you want to make price go up to be able to sell, you're going to have to find another rich person to buy off of you. And I'm not entirely sure if that's going to be uh, so easy. If anything, I think like if you buy that much uh, that you can make it go up, you might as well just make it go all the way um, and then see where it goes from there. But I mean, it's just my my feeling. So Mekin gives a point that I think is reasonable. Um, so if they need BC, BTC to go up for alts to go up, then they can get rid of their alt bags, which makes the range theory a bit more realistic. And I think that uh, that outcome makes a little more sense. Like if you keep Bitcoin either ranging or in a mild uptrend, then the speculation can move to alts a bit, which gives you the ability to distribute on that front. And then which would you rather be bag holding? Probably BTC. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, then again, I think like most of the old coins are down so much. I think like if you're expecting an old season or something like that. Um, I love when you go to Doge. <laughs> <laughs> like you look at these, right? And let's not look what at exchange that. is that? No, that's <laughs> is that Coinbase? Yeah, oh my Coinbase. God. But like you look at this, right? And Coinbase, typical kind of Coinbase fashion that they added it at the listed at the very top. <laughs> yeah. But like you look at Dogecoin, for example, right? This is down 90%. This is basically the exact same thing that, and I mean, I hate that like these just have like so little history, but yeah, like, you gotta go to like Bitfinex or Kraken or something. Yeah, I mean, this is good enough, but like we had the exact same thing. Like this is down ninety percent, right? When sideways, people are now gonna be like, okay, this one was went down ninety percent, and then that was the bottom, so they're gonna be buying now. But my argument is right, like there's not gonna be like this took how long? Like this took um, yeah, good old two years at this yeah. level um, to actually play out to the, to the upside, right? So if you're expecting an old season, I'm not entirely sure you're going to get one. Uh, I don't think like, if anything, you're going to have, like, like I said, you're going to have to push Bitcoin above all time high to kind of get the next one, I think. Uh, you might get like a bounce. Dogecoin might go up with Bitcoin if Bitcoin goes up. Uh, I think there's a good chance it underperforms while Bitcoin goes up, but it's still probably going to go up a little bit in USD terms. But I think this is basically completely wrecked, right? Everyone that bought Dogecoin uh, during it's the gonna, mania is, is just wrecked. I feel like the equivalent, you know, it used to be Doge below 20 sats was a great buy, um, even though it could go to like 14 or 15 sats. <laughs> um, so it could be down 25%, but you're still in the in the bullish range before it inevitably goes to 100 sets. We blew all that out of the water, but I think on a dollar basis now, it's like one penny is kind of that equivalent. And it would be totally reasonable, in my opinion, for it to go down another 90% from here and get back to a penny. Because on a dollar basis, like Doge to a penny was the moon. So it would be reasonable for it now to be the basement floor you know yeah, i could see it we talk about eve yeah we haven't talked about ETH. it broke down on the btc pair we should talk about ETH. yeah mm -hmm. go on don you've got the btc chart as well so let's talk about and the ETH btc chart first and then go to the other one so like ETH btc for me anyway uh the interesting chart is actually the monthly in my opinion which is kind <laughs> of looks... always is <laughs> it always has been yeah um <laughs> 
Yeah, which kind of looks like, I mean, this is how, how Bitcoin looked, right? Where you have like a breakout and it fails and then you just try to short basically the previous highs. Like you can legitimately like this, uh, ETH BTC monthly is just the same setup that you had on Bitcoin uh, on the weekly, right? Uh, false breakout goes back below and you just short the right side of it. And then where is your target, right? And the monthly, on the monthly time frame, I think like these are weekly, weekly levels. I can quickly hide those. Um, on the monthly, you look at this and your target has to be down here, right? 0 0.045, uh, would kind of be a nice target, uh, on like a head and shoulders front as well. Like this is down like 20% all the way down to there. That's another 20% that makes sense target wise. Um, that would be like, this would make people extremely bearish, uh, I think. But it's still a really, really bullish chart, right? You have like, you have a low here, you have a low, low here, but then you broke that cycle, you went to the upside, and this would be the first real pullback after you've confirmed this bottom, which I think would just still be bullish, right? You could still expect something like this to happen. Um, but obviously, given it's a monthly, monthly chart and 20% movements are quite big for people, uh, they don't want to kind of look at this. And I mean, I get it, like the weekly chart, you can do the same thing, but it's pretty much the exact same where it's like, you have pretty nice and this is the monthly level. Um, it also takes you back to the 200 week moving average, by the way, which is just about 0.04. Um, yeah, and this is the same thing. Like you look at you look at uh, this here, where it's like, this was the, where it was rejected before the big run. Um, if it retested, that's the same level as on the monthly. And like you said, it's the same with the weekly moving average. Uh, it broke the whatever this is <laughs> to the, the crappy diagonal, the inevitably yeah. broken down diagonal. Yeah, and you can make you can make another one. Um, I think you have this one. It's the same thing where, it, where it's broken to the downside, and then like a little bit more, like one more push to the downside would make a lot of sense on this chart. Uh, so yeah, that's Eve PTC for me. In comparison to that, if USD actually isn't like in the worst spot, but it's not really in a good spot either, I right? Um, because what you have basically uh, is you have a bunch of equal lows. I know that this ran by just a little bit, right? So we had like a bunch of equal lows here. This ran those lows like last week, ran those lows by a few dollars and then bounced. But the thing is, um, whenever you close in these kind of boxes or whatever, what you have to kind of realize is that Pretty much, this is a resistance because I mean it's obviously above price, and this is a support um, because <laughs> it's below price, right? So like this, even though like I have it as a green box, right? We're kind That's of why running we make the into big box. <laughs> <laughs> we're running into resistance now. Now, like how these kind of boxes work is that in general you look for a bounce uh, in those areas, but. Um, once it actually reaches the top of the box and struggles with it, there's a good chance that you just have support turning into resistance. And then oftentimes you just run into the support again. It's a good trading and... setup, right? You wait like 20 weeks to buy the weekly level. It's like down 70%. <laughs> you finally buy weekly support and you have to sell it for like 3% higher. <laughs> it's yeah. the actual meme of the guy with the 1% green candle thing. Yeah. yeah. Nice. yeah. <laughs> and I mean, this is kind of hilarious, right? Because like we're talking about like, a chart that had like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight down down weeks. This week, right? This massively bullish week that we have on Bitcoin, where you're like, where everyone's just freaking out. Oh, was this the bottom? Whatever. It's not even like reclaimed last week's down move, right? And it's already struggling. So um, I, I have to say, I hate, I hate all those wicks. I hated the three of them before, and now that we've pressed two into the same space. Like how you hold the same level with a wick five times in a row. It just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. The same here. Like this, I, I don't want to be doing business. And I mean, I said this was really good support, uh, last week, uh, we bounced a little bit. Um, but I don't, I don't like the look of this. I could see this, even if Bitcoin goes up, I could see this, uh, not move from the support. So either go sideways. Or if Bitcoin dumps, I think this is going to be really, really swift to the downside. So I don't like ETH. I, if I wanted to buy anything, like in general, like my FOMO feelings are much, much higher for Bitcoin and for ETH, just based on the fact that ETH BTC kind of doesn't look too good. And ETH USD is just in this weird area, like Ledger said, where 
we have a bunch of wicks, five wicks in this zone. Um, not really the biggest fan. Well, you know, this is coinciding with some uh, more merge drama. So there's a lot yes. of questions again about timelines of the merge. Cred, are you familiar with some of that? I saw people who are short sharing information about it. So. <laughs> <laughs> Cope. And it's the classic thing, like when the numbers numbers are going up and when crypto is trending up, everyone knows crypto has emissions, but because inflows surpass outflows by so much, you don't really care about it. Like those numbers get gobbled up by the FOMO and the momentum and just fresh money. It's only after the market is down like 80%, everyone's like, oh, by the way, did you know that to sustain the market cap, you need 10 zillion extra dollars coming into the space every day? Where is that money going to come from? It's like, fuck, why didn't you tell me this earlier? You know, or like, why is this only relevant now? Uh, and I think there's some similar stuff with um, basically how the future supply of ETH is as a function of the merge is going to be priced in and to what extent it's going to be priced in, how to hedge that and all that type of stuff. I don't know. I, I feel like it's a bit it's, it's price wise. It's, it doesn't seem like the like if you're using that purely as the basis for your trade, um, I, I feel like that, that's got some narrative lag or narrative fatigue to it. It's just it reminds me of EIP 1559 when, you know, <laughs> as, as a meme. It was amazing and as a if this is coming up therefore keep mooning the market it was amazing but then as soon as it was actually you know took place took form you know the amount of eth actually being burned all of that like market cycle wise it was just way too late to to be relevant um so i, think, I feel like if you're tagging onto the trade now as a result of merge concerns it might be a bit you know it's not the best trade i don't think yeah i think eventually it does have significant implications like the actual supply to ETH does go down a lot. You know, 1559 does burn a lot of ETH, but you can price in high expectations and therefore mm -hmm. at least mean reversion before then the thing you expected, you know, actually happens. It has that yes. introduction of, of lower, you know, amounts of, of coins on the market and therefore, you know, better for upside. But there's a lot of mean reversion that can happen in the meantime. I think this time, ETH has a good chance of being deflationary or at least very low inflation after the merge. I think timing a six month or more delay in addition to the years of delays that have occurred already is oh, definitely man. the type of thing that can like have a negative psychological consequence on people who've been so hopeful for. Speaking of people uh, being hopeful, look at merge. the FUD Don is cooking up right now. I mean, it it's a good chart. It's a, it's terrible. I mean, so this, you can't put these things on monthly, man, and be a rational. Like, <laughs> they're so scary. <laughs> you put it in linear, it makes it worse. Babe, the like new dumb just dropped. <laughs> <laughs> this, I mean, it, it does look like it's going way down from here if you just look at it on that that perspective. It's like, and the measured move is a delisting from Bitfinex. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I... Non muted or just being contemplative? Oh yeah, I was actually muted. <laughs> I uh, I do think that I mean he was busy drawing, he's focused, cred. Um, <laughs> yeah, you can do one thing at a time. <laughs> yeah. So I think the, the and I, I love ETH. Like I want to be bullish ETH and all the upside potential that it has. Uh, I think it's extremely powerful as a platform, but that doesn't change the fact that it can go to a thousand dollars and it can go to 0.04 relative to BTC. Yeah. Um and I think that those are both um, high enough like likelihood outcomes that I want to minimize my exposure until something changes. Because you cannot look at this chart, the weekly chart, the daily chart, they all look like garbage. The mm -hmm. relative to BTC chart looks like garbage. And when every single chart and every single time frame looks like garbage, um, maybe it's Pico Bottom, <laughs> but more likely, <laughs> <laughs> but more likely, like you're just going to have some degree of continuation, and it's not the best thing to own. So I don't know. Yeah, I, you just I hit will... the ETH chart with like when you're talking to a girl you don't really like because you've got a great personality, you're a nice girl, <laughs> you know, you've got a great future ahead of you. There's someone out there for you, but it's not you me. know, <laughs> yeah. Um, I have orders. I have orders for ETH in for $1,111. And I'm just going to let them ride because I feel like if I get filled at that level, then um, I just act like that money doesn't exist anymore for a couple of years. And that's nothing like the FUD Don and I were hitting on the Friday show. We oh, did. yeah. Oh, we are talking $400. We, we were like, this 1K is fake support and the real <laughs> one is at like 600 or 700 or something. You know? That's fine. I'll only be down 50%. 
<laughs> and, and it sounds funny, right? But it's, in crypto, it's actually not that bad, right? Like I've I've seen people be down eighty percent, and then stuff goes up like fifty x, and it's like, yeah. it, it does suck having like having bought for more like more expensive than than other people. But at the end of the day, like like if you're believing that this goes back to all time highs and higher, if you buy one k and it goes to four hundred, I mean, you can either buy more. Or just be happy because, like, from 1k to whatever the target, like, I've seen targets of 20k flying 10k, 10k, which is what Ledger shilled that poor family when we did the uh, you know, stream to save their child or whatever. I still hold all your ease. I'm joking, I still feel that way. That's what I'm holding for one thousand dollars to ten thousand dollars generational wealth achieved. And Ledger is the plan B of Ethereum. Yeah, so like whether you take this or this, I mean, there's a big difference, yes. right? Because yes. obviously, like, you yeah, have twice you double your people. generational wealth if you buy the six hundred dollar bottle. You can have two kids <laughs> that go to private school, right? <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, like, there's a chance that it doesn't go down here, right? And then if you like have high conviction that it goes to like generational wealth, uh, and you miss out on that just because you're greedy to wait for the four hundred support instead of the one k support um and then you have to explain your children why 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 they still like have to go to school and why they still have to work (laughs) (laughs) that's that's a rough rough sell right and this is like this is what people kind of don't realize like if you have from an investment perspective right like if this goes to 1k and you don't buy and then you're like i want to have this lower support what you're probably going to do if it goes to this low support, you're going to start drawing the 100 range. Yes, um, yes, yes. And you're going to move your bids down lower. And then I it's remember when bounce. ETH was at 80, this happened, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, People were talking $15. Yeah. I was yeah. like, oh, why buy ETH at 80 when you can buy it for 40? Oh, you know, good that times. Type of stuff. Good times. <laughs> and then I, I got like basically forced into buying it because Substratum actually publicly shorted with the ICO. <laughs> <laughs> so I can fuck it. Might as well. Might as well buy $80. And that actually turned out. We need some uh, NFT buy. treasuries to do the same thing, right? Like as bottom, mm. be- bottom of bear things. Where, like we've got a bunch of ETH. We're down 80 percent we've just discovered rsi video and we're about to start trading the stack <laughs> you know uh, that'll be a pretty good uh, signal to get back in but i agree with you like if ETH turbo nukes I-, I think even a conservative long crypto thesis has ETH setting new all-time highs cycle to cycle uh, and so if that if that accelerates to the downside um that becomes a pretty good kind of a risk adjusted opportunity uh, when it comes to crypto and portfolio theory and whatever because you know, some of these alts you're like oh well this is down 90 percent is generational etc but there's a pretty high likelihood that it doesn't come back and make usd all-time highs and you know just fades away whereas for eth like i think any reasonable long crypto thesis has eth setting new all-time highs so if it gets really stupid oversold cheap whatever nuki i don't know that's one of my preferred bets as we've discussed mm-hmm. before btc eth yeah. and then you know maybe some exchange coins or something i said yeah. solana but don didn't like it because the blockchain doesn't work <laughs> which is fair enough and then it actually stopped working again straight after yeah. like a day or two after um no but i mean with regards to eth worst comes to worst you just have to wait till like 2040 till the merge happens and then it goes up right? <laughs> <laughs> Just given past, just given past events and like the evidence. I'm on my, my deathbed. Kids. Like my grandchildren hold to the merge. <laughs> my, kids, my kids would be, my kids would be really upset because their trust funds would already be like due by then, right? Like, don't you oh. earn into those when you become an adult? Like, be like married. Sorry, Ledger, wouldn't like, know. We're all like you. Um, well, they don't actually have trust funds. I'm just thinking in a positive future, right? Um, but yeah, I mean. I don't know. The uh, one other element in terms of trying to capture the bottom is I'm actually trying to plan for better tax optimization for the like next time that I realize gains because I purposefully turned over my entire portfolio in 2021 and trade like crazy, which was fine and very rewarding, but it was also like a huge tax burden. And so I think if you can play with a better tax strategy, then the impact of catching like a macro bullish level is very strong, right? Like if you can, not that you have to buy the bottom, but if you can get your average price to a place and in a coin that you believe in, then the implications of that from a tax perspective can be quite good. Um, So I'm trying to plan for my future ETH exposure in that way. I I can tell you a story about like 
trying to optimize your tax exposure. Uh, for some yeah. reason, I mean, I think it's a really good idea, right? But for some reason, like every time I've heard people say it, I've just seen them just completely eat shit. Because well, like, I think it, they do it when they when they're they're planning it during the meat of a bull market. Yeah, like, and I mean, how it usually happens, right? Is like, and this is like something that Germany is just hilarious at because if you hold your coins for more than a year, you don't have to pay taxes, right? So what happens is during bull markets, people are like, holy shit, I made so much money. I can tell like an example of a good friend of mine, which uh, bought this coin, right? Which is this isn't me, just token. to be clear. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, he said he good friend, Craig. Yeah, <laughs> true, I have true, like true. more than one good friend. <laughs> but so he bought this for like a couple thousand dollars, right? It ran up um, and he had like, I don't remember, but like 10 million or something in this coin. And he was like, I'm not going to sell this because I bought this like just six months ago. I just have to wait six more months to be able to just kind of not have pay tax to pay taxes for this. Right. In in those six months during that time. Right. The coin went from the all time high where begged him to sell, which was eleven dollars all the way down to one. Right. So like, I mean, even if you paid the German taxes, which is like almost 50 percent. It would have been much much better off but it's like it, this is like the, the meme with the tax stuff for some reason and maybe it's just bad luck but every time like i hear people talk about it it's most of the time it's during the bull market so i think you're doing the right thing thinking about like like what to do during the bear market but most of the time it's just like you see that the market develops bearishly or you see like a blow off top you're probably better off just uh maximizing your gains rather than trying to minimize your your taxes um yes i agree if you're owning voyager token <laughs> allegedly some good coins they will come back <laughs> and i mean at yeah. the end like i can finish the story at the end like it went to one dollar and he was like fuck no i'm not gonna sell this it's down 90 percent." and then it went to 0 0.1 so it was down 90 percent again and then it actually rallied and helped. he sold some on this rally um but yeah, this is this is crypto. It's kind of funny seeing this echo bubble at the right side, where it's like it went from it went from nothing to ten dollars to nothing. Like there's literally like almost zero down here to almost ten dollars again. Like this was like a hundred x on both sides. <laughs> almost as much as an echo bubble as MicroStrategy, right? Oh my gosh! Oh, have you guys seen the chart lately? The MicroStrategy chart is insane. This is just nuts. Oh. Now I will say if you're if you're very bullish Bitcoin and also if you're confident in the GBTC conversion to an ETF, which at least from people I've heard from, there's not a great reason to be confident in that, those discounts on GBTC are extraordinary now. Like 30, yeah, 40 percent, something like that. I mean um, GBTC is trading at um previous bull market highs, like below them, actually. You look at this. This is completely crazy, right? So this was 2017. Like compare that to sorry for interrupting, but like compare that to how Bitcoin is trading now, which is so much higher, right? Like you look at this. This is basically trading at the equivalent of 11k Bitcoin back in the day. Um yeah, it's uh 28 to 30 percent on the GBTC pair right now. Mm -hmm. Um Oh, man. That that makes up for quite a lot of years of the two percent grayscale fee. <laughs> like if you're bullish Bitcoin, uh, if you don't think it's going to go below more than thirty percent of a discount, then that's a reasonable thing to do. Nevertheless, we're ten minutes over time, so we should probably let it go. We've done nothing but bear talk. Uh, <laughs> we are once again trying to establish the bottom. <laughs> do y'all have anything to add before we go? Um, no, just give me a high time frame, at least weekly close. That's okay, and then I'll be right with you. Otherwise, I'm gonna chill, go to consensus, and see what projects are surviving and thriving. Awesome, proven it's the same thing for me. Excellent. Well, I hope to see you there, Cred. Uh, we'll yes, find please. Out. In the meantime, thanks for being here. Thanks for FTX being our partners. Go to weeklyopen.com slash FTX where you can trade with zero fees directly from any asset to any other asset on their platform. It's super easy. And you, know, you can DCA directly from your bank. All those good things right on FTX. Weeklyopen.com slash FTX. We'll catch you next time. Bye-bye.